Welcome to the Raptors post-game TOT cast. It is a uh, sad, sad time. The Raptors lost game six, 103-91. Um, man, it is so, so depressing. Damar, I know you said you were feeling a bit better about it, but give me your thoughts on game six here. Um, terrible loss. <laughs> yeah, I can tell, like, you know, even on the Twitter, on my Twitter feed, a lot of people are really down on the game. I don't know, man. I thought it was pretty, pretty good. Fun to watch. Been a lot more fun to watch than the first two. You know what, I definitely agree with you there. From like a basketball fan perspective, it was a good game to watch. It was, you know, it had its moments going back and forth. The Heat got in a transition and ran a bit. Um, their iso ball was actually bearable to watch. And quite frankly, they won the battle of long mid-range twos. So kudos to the Heat. As for the Raptors, Kyle Lowry tried. The Rosen tried. The rest of them are boarding a flight back home. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, remember that uh, anecdote, Jared Dudley? People shoot better in Miami. Kyle Lowry, three of five from three. You know what? I, <laughs> I look at that. That's one thing that stuck in my head the whole night watching it. And for what it's worth, the Marta Rosen, perfect from the free throw line again. Miami yeah. weather. You know who benefited from the Miami weather the most though was uh, that dickhead Goran Dragic. Yo, you, know you hate him. you hate him so much. He must be your least favorite player. In He's the league. up there. He's definitely my top three of least favorite players. <laughs> <laughs> I like you know I like his uh I like his play style, man. It's just like drives to the rim, three pointers, pick and rolls. It's a lot like a uh, basically he's like a standard point guard in the NBA, but you know it's aesthetically pleasing to watch. Well, he's your prototypical guy that can run the one-five high screen, um, work the ball around. He's not the greatest like swingman passer where you're going to run an offense straight through him all the time because a lot of what he does is predicated off getting to the hoop, in my opinion. When he gets to the rim, he's lethal, like we saw tonight. I mean, he was only two of five from three, but the ones he hit were timely. But his ability to get to the rim and just create things, that little bull rush forearm move he's got, is, it's unstoppable at times. And uh, I don't know how you defend it because either he's going to draw the foul or a guy like Lowry is going to continue to get bowled over. Right, right. Um, what do you think about, you know what, Joe Johnson kind of showed up a bit tonight. He was somebody who I thought going into this game would have to step up. 30 minutes, 13 points. Mm, you know, he had that big dagger three, so I thought he played a little bit better. Um, aside from him, is there anybody that really stood out to you tonight? Uh, specifically, I guess it would be uh, maybe Dwayne Wade. He played okay, you know. Other than, okay, maybe it was Goran Dragic and... Kyle Lowry, that's pretty much like the stars of the game. And then you would have, you know, Dwayne Wade, he chipped in a bit. You know, 8 of 21, 1 of 4 from 3. You know, he believes he can shoot threes now. Oh, he's throwback Dwayne Wade. He's, he believes he's flash, and he can shoot threes, get to the cup, do whatever he's got to do again. <laughs> and it almost got the Raptors back in the game there late in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, sorry, when he uh, was going that iso ball offense, and they were down by 8, down by 6, and then, you know, we, we saw what happened after that. Yeah, the Heat have this weird problem where um, they they like honor Dwayne Wade too much, like especially near the end of the game, they'll go away from Dragic, even if Dragic is like right in this game where he was just scorching the Raptors, right, thirty points, and he was just like eating. He was basically just whatever he put up was going down. But for some reason, they feel like we got to get Wade going. We got to get Wade going, even though he's you know not playing very well. They always feel like they have to to ride him. And it's not necessarily true. This is why they got Goran Dragic, right? Yeah, there's really some pressure, yeah. Yeah, this is the exact reason why they got him, and they just refused to actually use him for the reason that they got him. What did you think about the officiating? Because a lot of people on Twitter, Raptors fans especially, were going crazy all night. It all started with the Biombo offensive goaltending, which was a joke. That was not a goaltending. 
But from there, it just felt like the avalanche of, I guess, criticism towards the officials really started. Um, thoughts on them tonight? Okay, here, I want to ask you something before I answer that. What do you think, like, who do you think committed the most fouls in this game? Not, like, a player, like, which team? Which team? Yeah. Uh, I think it was the Heat, actually, because Lowry and DeRozan were getting to the line a lot. It was 18 to 18 on fouls. Was it? Wow, okay. So it's tied on fouls, but then I still have this, like, huge Twitter... Uh, a huge Twitter feed of complaints. So, it, it, like, you know, when you're reading Twitter or if you're looking at any other sort of social media, it feels like the Raptors are getting, like, the 2007 uh, <laughs> Dallas versus Miami treatment where Dwayne Wade is getting every foul. It's definitely not true. Well, you know what's funny is Sean Corbin, who was officiating the game tonight, uh, the Raptors are 21-3 and in their last 24 games that he refs. And that's including yeah. the playoffs, so... Yeah, exactly. So it's just this weird persecution complex that Toronto fans seem to have, you know. I like it's that the- persecution <laughs> It's Yeah, it's them, you know, it's them versus the world. It's like they're the, the, the perception is that they're the only Canadian team and why would America want Canada to win and be successful? And then why would anybody not want to see Dwayne Wade versus LeBron James, right? That's the whole other Raptors theory, too. Yeah, yeah. It's like this huge, huge, huge conspiracy. And it's not even, like, just this year. It's every year they have this conspiracy of, like, the refs want us to lose. The league wants us to lose. Every single year. It it, it gets sickening to talk about. It's, It's depressing because every Toronto sports team, we relate some sort of conspiracy theory towards it. You know, the thing, though, the sidebar with that before uh, before we go on from it, the Raptors are 0-5 now in clinching games, but they haven't lost back-to-back games yet in the playoffs, so maybe it's a series of trends here that are going to come through? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, every, you know, every streak is made to be broken, every record is made to be broken, every rule is made to be broken, so... Yeah, I wonder really if life... just broke my confidence right there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's like this thing in politics where there's always like a sentence that you'll be able to say that is like, you know, no president has ever won while losing their home state (laughs) until that happens, and then you just throw out that statistic, right? So it's just like in the same thing in in sports, you know, Warriors, you know, never win back or never lose two games in a row until they do. Like, that could happen in the finals. What are you trying to hint at here? I feel like you're trying to hint at something. Like, are we losing Game 7? Is that what you're getting at? (laughs) I'm not saying they're going to lose Game 7. I'm just saying, you know, it's not a write-in. I'm never saying it was a write-in, but now you're really making me think about it here more. <laughs> it's not a write-in, and especially if um, here, let's get it. Let's take a look at like the defense, like with Goran Dragic, who, like when he scored thirty points. It's mostly after like Kyle Lowry was in a uh, foul trouble that can yep. definitely happen again. Hundred percent. You know when he's drawing, whenever he draws fouls, it's not in like uh, like he doesn't reach in much, and it's not like a like a blocking foul. It's not a shooting foul. It's more a blocking foul. Like he's trying to judge, draw a charge. But he's never set. His feet are always moving. He always gets called for it this whole entire series. Exactly. I feel like he's so, just going to stop that. Exactly. So when you're, drawing, when you're drawing charges, especially in the playoffs, when like, you know, uh, fouls are extremely valuable, if you're trying to draw charges, there's also the, the possibility of drawing a block no matter what. Even if you were just standing still the entire game and somebody ran into you, there's still like you know, probably like a 1% chance of drawing that uh, blocking charge. So by doing that, you know, he, he, he puts himself in risk of being in foul trouble, and I feel like that really affected them, like the Raptors in this game. I feel like the loss of Damari killed too. I mean, he was walking around gingerly there late in the third quarter, and he basically never came back. He barely played the fourth quarter, and I feel like that was a big contributing factor too on top of Lowry's foul troubles because 
when Carroll's not there to take on a Joe Johnson or even a Dwayne Wade, it's just his ability to switch on defenders helps ease things for the Raptors so much. And when he's not there, getting a switch from, let's say, Joseph to Lowry when they play that Lowry in the reserves unit, it's a big difference. It's much easier for the Heat to inflict their will, especially when they play a small ball lineup like they did. Extra small ball lineup, actually. Yeah, what did you think of the Heat small ball lineup? So I was going to ask you about that. I was going to say, let's just sink our teeth right in this game here and yeah. jump right into it because the extra small ball lineup and Casey coming out with Patterson and Biombo, you would have thought they would have crushed them on the glass tonight, no? Right. Right. But uh, the thing is that they've recognized that and they've det- when Bismack Biombo rebounds, even though I wrote this like huge piece about Bismack Biombo's rebounding, um, his one weakness with rebounding is that he uses his athleticism more than like actual um, like fundamentals in like boxing out. That's why you know you see that him and Jonas both have like similar rebounding numbers, even though that they rebound completely differently. Like Yombo uses his athleticism, but if you have like four guys from the Heat, like what they were doing was gang rebounding. So mm-hmm. you have three or four people coming down to get the rebound. If you have all these other people competing, they can box out or they just challenge his athleticism, and it's easier to get a rebound from somebody that just uses athleticism versus somebody that boxes out and uses his body. Well, how frustrating is it to watch when the Raptors run their, offense, run their <laughs> offensive sets and they, they basically run an ISO and they have one guy under the hoop, whether it be Biombo and Patterson, and then there's three heat, and they jack up a shot and just hope for the best. Hey, you know, it actually like it has this weird undercurrent effect where it, like, it affects their offense because you know, the, the Raptors live off those offensive rebounds for uh, points. They, in this game, they had eight to the heat seven, but that eight is not enough because... Yombo doesn't have any sort of uh, offensive game, you know, like Jonas, where he's like, Jonas will post you up, hook shots, face-ups, jump shots, right? Yombo doesn't have any of that, so he has to live off of the rebounds. And If he can't get any offensive rebounds, then that's just like the loss of the points, like the offensive skill of Jonas is just enhanced when they can't get those offensive rebounds. I totally agree with you there. What would your thoughts be on the thing when... Let's say they went like a five out and they just played really small, the Raptors, and literally matched the heat size and kind of emptied the clip out and jump shooters and right. went toe to toe with them. You think that's something they might explore in game seven? N- like, maybe it feels a different coach. Maybe if we're talking about Steve Kerr, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not just because Steve Kerr is a great coach, but like he, he was open to using those radical ideas. You know, he's using Draymond Green at the five in their death lineup. But uh, yeah, if you're using Dwayne Casey, he's such a. He's not even old. He's not even old school. He's just kind of like a curmudgeon, you know. He doesn't he's like to change. Yeah, he doesn't like to change too many things. So, like, he's he has like a nice. He, I mean, he's willing to make a lineup change within within reason. I feel like if he went to five out, like the old Heat, I don't think he'd be able to handle that. And I, you know, I can't even picture the Raptors' offense that way. Like, how are they going to score? Because if you're doing the isolation with a one five. Ever not isolation. If you're doing a pick and roll with one five, and then you shoot the sh- and you take the shot, like who's rebounding for you? Like they're the crux of their offense, which is really odd to say, it, or is their offensive rebounding? You know, Jonas gets offensive yep. rebounds. That's how he gets scores a bunch of points. Yombo scores a bunch of points off of offensive rebounding. So, well, the but, only way I think a five out type deal would work is if you had Patterson, Carroll, DeRozan, Lowry, and let's say Terrence Ross or Corey Joseph back there. It, like, right. that's the only way it can work, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because if you sacrifice the size up front, you need somebody who can at least shoot the ball. 
And Patterson's the only guy that can do it because uh, your boy Stonehands Biombo there. He, he doesn't got much offensively aside. Can somebody please explain this to me? Like, is his are his hands just like super small, or like he just like he doesn't grasp? It doesn't make any sense because he's such a good rebounder. You know, he catches the ball above the rim, but he could just never catch the ball from coming from somebody else. I I have no idea for the life of me. He looks like a praying mantis at times because his yes. arms are so long and he's running up and down the court. I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's that's biz. Yeah, so you would expect him to be like you know able to catch the ball all the time because of the, his rebounding ability, but he just he just can't cap, he can't capture any passes. He looks and really it, aloof when he's trying yeah. to rebound. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's a little bit frustrating because. I know there are times where you'll see Kyle Lowry throw the ball into the air for an alley. It's a, basically it's an alley-oop pass. You'll see um, Biombo go up, grab the ball, and bring it back down, right? And then he has to like plant his feet and then go back up. It's just, like he can't catch the ball properly, so he has to like catch it like a rebound, yep. bring it down, and then go back up. I'd really wish he could just go up, catch those, and throw those down because that would be something they'd be able to use in their in their offense. Right, since like Winslow is guarding him, you could just oh, jump over him. Yeah, he should eat Winslow alive, especially when Lowry goes underneath the hoop and that little Steve Nash move. There's always a trailer coming in, or there's somebody off like a no look pass he can hit, and they just they they're just not there. They're just not ready. Their offensive awareness is not at the level where you can kind of get these free baskets and easy within the restricted area buckets there that you kind of make a living off of as a point guard. Like that's yeah, the easy assist. Exactly, and even um, speaking of just like easy like court awareness, I, there was this. There was one possession specifically in the fourth quarter that like personifies DeMar DeRozan to me where uh, they had gotten an offensive rebound and it was like kind of a scramble to get the offensive rebound and Patrick Patterson was in the right corner like at the bottom of your TV mm-hmm. and DeMar DeRozan was at the top left and there was like this clear like just a path. It was just like this open crevice in the, in the defense where he could have just laser to pass to him and I swear DeMar saw him and actually just like looked him off and then basically <laughs> just like went back into that uh, that screen and roll and I'm like what is he doing he wants to dribble his right hand it's DeMar we know exactly what he wants to do he wants to dribble off the screen go with his right hand and either settle for the mid-range jumper or go to the hoop and try and draw a foul that's DeMar like in an absolute nutshell yeah it's kind of a uh, kind of sad man Remember that $25 million. Don't forget. Yeah. Man. <laughs> You're just throwing jabs at it. Ruining my little trends thing. Don't Bring for- it back up tomorrow. Like, it's don't brutal. forget $25 million. Two years. Two years. $25 million each season. We can live with that. Can't wait until we the off season so we can like really go in depth with that. Oh. <laughs> We're going to have some wars. Those will be fun. <laughs> Okay, what did you make of the Raptors' defense tonight? One thing I noticed with Biombo and even Patterson to a certain extent is they weren't very active in the passing lanes. The Raptors only forced seven turnovers tonight. Um, the Heat have had the most tur- second most turnovers this, what, second round now? I think yeah. only Oklahoma City has more turnovers than them. So to see the Heat only have seven turnovers tonight, that was a bit alarming for me. It's actually a symptom of uh, Kyle Lowry's foul trouble. Like, you, I don't know if you know this, but the NBA uh, tracks uh, hustle stats now. Yep, Deflections is one of them. Right, and Kyle Lowry is one of the leaders. I think he's first or second place in deflections. So just having like somebody, you know, getting after the ball, just breaking up your offensive set, just so you have like eleven seconds to do something instead of twenty-four or thirteen seconds to do something, that affects your, that affects the defense and it affects the Heat's offense. Right. So I totally I agree. Just, he's pivotal to everything they do. Yeah, 
So when he's out of the game, you know, this is what basically caused uh, Goran Dragic to go off for 30 points. Like, he's out for extended periods of time due to foul trouble. Goran Dragic is against uh, Corey Joseph. How do you think uh, him and Corey Joseph fared? <laughs> Corey Joseph looks out of gas. I mean, Dragic took him to the hoop all night. He's chasing him around like a chicken with his head cut off, and Dragic just kept cooking him. Baseline, baseline, top of the key, rolling off the screen, <laughs> right to the hoop again. It was just, just imposing his will. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it's him. And the, this is a new lineup that's in vogue right now is a point guard plus uh, a bench. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you notice this, but like uh, Warriors do it sometimes. It's only sometimes because usually they play their big three together. But like Toronto does it, Miami does it. The the Thunder have tried it at times. Thunder tried. The Thunder have to do it because for the past like four years, people have been screaming at the Thunder through their television to stagger the stars. <laughs> so they they have to do it now. <laughs> well, I think they're more of playing the two big men. That's worked out well for them. Steve Adams and um, Ennis Cantor. That's developed into something really well for them. Yeah, that's true. I can't wait to see that against the the Warriors. By the way, yeah, it's a, a big, contrast of styles. A big versus small. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah, and then the the Trailblazers were also doing it where they would have C.J. McCollum, he would become the point guard, or it would just be Lillard and the bench, right? So this is this new Vogue lineup of point guard plus bench, and uh, we're in Dragic, he feasts on that, because the, the Raptors don't have a backup center. You know, they're playing uh, Jason Thompson and Lucas Nuguera. How lost was Bebe, and how lost was Jason Thompson? You know, when we asked that last time, it was like a joke, but like, which one do you think is more effective on the floor? Like, do you think it's Jason Thompson or Lucas? Um, I'd rather see them trade their uniform with Jerry Stackhouse and let Jerry Stackhouse get out there. <laughs> and I'm so serious. <laughs> Even so, give Jim Johnson more minutes. The only thing I can give for Bebe tonight is this. He's the only Raptor to finish with a plus-minus rating in the positive tonight. He was a uh, plus one. Right, right. Okay, <laughs> Plus one, I guess, yeah. Big Pippen, no. man. Plus one, anybody else? <laughs> Next closest guy is Norman Powell with two minutes. <laughs> and he's a zero. That's it. Oh, man. And normally, he actually played today, which is um a little bit new. They don't really, they haven't been playing him at all, at all in this well, season. He, he's got a cook, man. He's struggled a lot this series. Yeah, he can't handle he can't handle the just the play style of the. We talked about this before, like the hesitations and like the subtle moves. Because yep. he's not able to catch up to those. I mean, he will eventually. It's just like being a rookie. You know, nobody in college is doing stuff like the not things like that they're that. doing. Not not like Dwayne Wade. You know, nobody plays like Dwayne Wade in college. So you can't really get practice for that other than in the NBA. What did you think about the Heat kind of uh, minimizing Justin, Justice Winslow's minutes a bit? He only played twenty six fifty five tonight. Um, wasn't as effective as usual, but I felt like he was a little bit more serviceable in less minutes tonight. Yeah, he hit that three. That three was actually like at the beginning of the game. Was they just had, yeah, it was just one three. It's like at the very beginning of the game, they left him wide open, obviously because he doesn't shoot. He doesn't shoot at all. Like no. well, he just doesn't shoot. Getting that one three was like big for just the team in general. Just like yes, you know they can't stop us. <laughs> it's almost like you know in the previous game, the Thunder versus uh, the Spurs, when Andre Roberson is hitting threes from the corner yes. and getting. <laughs> I think I think the Spurs were just looking at each other like, "Get the hell out of here!" Andre Robertson's beating us. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, his defense was pretty good. He's playing good defense on DeRozan. You know, especially on the switches, man. When he's He's guarding Biombo, and they run that 1-5 or yep. that 2-5, and then they switch. 
know, you don't get an advantage. You know, that's the whole point of the running the screen and roll is to uh, get that advantage on the big man because the big man's slower than the point guard or shooting guard. But and the since, point extra small kind of negated all of that tonight. With yeah, the so it, doesn't, it, it negates everything. Like, Coach Spo is definitely out coaching uh, Dwayne Casey. At least I think so. Oh, no, 100%. I mean, he played Luol Deng 40 minutes tonight, most of them at the five, and it worked. Yeah. And it worked, like, marvelously. It was crazy. Deng didn't play well. I mean, he had... Two points, eight boards, two assists, but he did his job. His switching on defense was awesome. He kind mm. of eliminated Patrick Patterson all night. Yo, Patrick Patterson, man, he was just, uh, you know, the, the problem with playing uh, Patrick Patterson is that he doesn't have a post game, right? So you can play this super small lineup and neutralize him because if you're playing Joe Johnson, he's like similar height. And uh, if you're, if you don't have any sort of post game to to punish uh, that height difference, you can kind of cheat and just have somebody smaller cover him. So even though he's playing the power forward, you can have a small forward cover him as long as his arms his arms are long, so he can contest the shot. Patrick Patterson isn't necessarily going to like drive like pump fake drive by you and like go for a dunk or something like that. Well, if so, you're Casey, well, if you're Casey, how would you attack that then? Because you know the well Dang is going to be back out there, probably playing heavy minutes in Game Seven. So what are you going to do to attack that? Uh, for Luol Deng? I mean, yeah. Well, I feel like Dust- Patterson kind of correlates with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I can't think of anything, real. like, I can't think of anything this team specifically would be able to do. I mean, maybe play some Scola. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dust off Scola, you know? I mean, Pat- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to laugh. <laughs> Dust off Scola. Get the heck out of here. <laughs> dust off Bruno, too. Oh, man. Okay, well, um, Luol Deng, no, he's just uh, he's just one of those players, just, he's like um, Paul George, where he's kind of neutralizing a bunch of things that the Raptors like to do. So if he's he stopped DeMar DeRozan post-ups. I don't know, Have you? did you see DeMar DeRozan posting up this game? Mm, I think he had the one or two, no? Yeah, like those two where he they attacked in semi transition, right? And he was able to get a mismatch with uh, Tyler Johnson, or yeah, Tyler Johnson, and then he would like post him up like immediately. Well, Tyler was, Johnson makes sense. Like for him to post him up, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So he's finally getting those like advantages, which was great for him. But you know, he can't do that against Lil Dang. And then if he's trying to, you know, the screens like the pick and roll is not working. Like the isolated. Top of the key, high screen and roll does not work effectively against this team. And that's why the Raptors can't score more than 100 points. Which is agonizing. Yeah. Because the thing for me is, like, you know the Heat are going to come out extra small again. You know they're going to force you into basically finding a way to creatively use Biombo and not just as a shot changer in the lane on, uh, on the defensive side of the floor there. They're going to need him to do more, especially on the offensive side. I mean, he's going to pull down his boards, but... The Heat are kind of cheating where, like you were saying with the gang rebounding, mm. they're clogging the lanes so fast anytime Lowry or DeRozan drives in there, basically just overcommitting and saying, dump it off to somebody else. Yeah, see, the thing is, it's, this actually relates directly to Patrick Patterson. If Patrick Patterson is unable to hit those threes, right, they can fall off of him, and then like they'll shrink off of him and they'll shrink into the paint off of any sort of drive, and then they'll just be content to run, content to run out to him. So they still have, 
you know, Joe Johnson running out to him or Luol Deng running out to him to contest the shot. And if he can't hit the shot, then Luol Deng will just continue to defend him, even though he's much shorter. No, that makes sense. I feel like this game had a lot of outliers in it, where it was a lot of situations that happened where you just kind of look at it and you go, okay, this hasn't happened that often this series. Will it happen again? So, for example, the Raptors, 4 of 16 from 3. Will that continue again in Game 7? And then on the contrary, the Heat, 7 turnovers. I mean, what's more likely to happen again here? The Raptors shooting poorly from 3 or the Heat taking care of the ball? Uh, yeah, you're right, man. I think the, the turnovers the turnovers should come back, especially when Carl, Kyle Lowry isn't in foul trouble. Turnovers should come back, get a few steals, get some runouts. What did you think of the uh, Heat's transition game tonight? Because they actually got out and ran in the first quarter, and they set the tempo pretty high. Yeah, you know, they only have like six points off turnovers, but it feels like so much more is because they get those mismatches. And they always they always get the... Especially with that that group of five, the super small five. Yep. It's hard for the... It's hard for the Raptors to actually like figure out who they have to cover. So I noticed that there was like a lot of miscommunications on defense, where there would be that that transition, right? They'll get a bunch of mismatches, and then you see like a ton of people just like pointing, and people don't know what to do, and people can't figure out who to cover. And then somebody drives to the hoop, right? And then the, the Raptors will commit, and then you know Goran Dragic will like pass it out, and then they can't figure out who is whose man that is. Right, See, I'm actually so happy you mentioned that because I was texting a friend as the game was going on and he's like, man, the miscommunication is so bad. And I go, well, the game as a whole hasn't been that great. He goes, yeah, well, the Heat's D has been meh, but they're getting out in transition. And I'm like, well, they're getting out every once in a while. He goes, listen, we've been deprived of such good basketball that it's just a little bit better than bad, so maybe it's good. <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah, true. That might make sense. <laughs> <laughs> as crazy as that sounds I'm like yeah, he's, yeah. he's just saying we're so used to seeing bad basketball that when we see something a little bit better like we did tonight we kind of freak out could you imagine if either of these teams were in the west I don't think they would even make it out of the first round hell no who would they right? be being? yeah so if we're just when we're watching it and we're just like oh man that person just like you know that person has three blocks those three blocks are huge Right, <laughs> or those six those six points on turnovers are huge. When you know you watch like uh, the 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 Warriors versus the Trailblazers, and there's like sixteen points on off of turnovers, and there's like eight threes, eight threes in a quarter, or eight threes in a in a half, and you're like, eh. Warriors are just gonna do Warriors things, I guess. I think the Trailblazers would absolutely run us out of the gym if we played in the series right now. Absolutely. And I mean, that's not necessary. Maybe, maybe not. You don't think so? Uh, the the defense of of uh, Lillard and uh, <laughs> CJ McCollum would be a little bit suspect, especially on post ups. Probably okay. be double teams. But I mean, we still got Demar settling for those twenty foot jump shots. So I mean, he's he's bigger than he's bigger than CJ, but then they would probably switch like a Minu onto him, have CJ guard somebody else. Yeah, that's true. I just feel like watching Demar is it's been frustrating. Because he's been bigger than at times when he got the switch with George Hill in the first round. He got crunched. This series, he's bigger than Wade. He's bigger than Dragic. Um, man, even when he's had Luel Dang on him, that's a guy that he should be able to beat with foot speed. Hasn't been able to consistently do it. It's, that's the, the problem is he doesn't shoot threes. It's a huge problem. That's like the biggest problem for him, and it's, it gets exposed in the playoffs because when you're in the playoffs, you're trying to you know, pick on everybody's weaknesses. That's how you succeed in the playoffs. 
he doesn't shoot threes, so whenever he runs his screens, right, they just go under, right? And he's trying to drive to the rim, but by going under, you're giving up that three-point shot. He doesn't shoot the three-point shot. So if he's going to drive in any way, you already have, like, that extra space to contain his drive. So by not shooting threes, it just it, it makes his entire game worse. It makes him really one-dimensional, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, he'll drive into the defender, step back, mid-ranger, or drive into the defender, weasel around the screen, floater. But, like, that, th- that three-point shot is hindering everything else he does. I mean, if he had that three-point shot, he would be, like, an, an amazing player, to be honest. Like, he has everything else. Well, he'd evolve from being a 90s basketball player to a 2000s basketball player, to be <laughs> yeah. honest. Yeah, he would just be 2000s, and then if he shot, like, six threes a game, then you'd be a 2010s yeah, basketball player. Because he's literally stuck in the 90s. Watching him play is just like, man, you would kick a lot of ass playing in the 90s. Like, yeah. He reminds me of Clyde Drexler before he could shoot. Yeah, exactly. Which is probably not a great comment. Not the athleticism, best. But... Yeah, it's not the best version. Yeah, man. I'm pulling at straws here. Because, I mean, DeMar is such a hard player to comp, in my opinion, because what he does is just, it's bland, but it works. Yeah, it works in the playoffs. It's not working. I mean, it works in the regular season. It's not working in the playoffs right now. He hasn't been able. I haven't. That past game, game five, was his like only good game in recent memory. Like he wasn't playing well versus the Pacers, and he, he wasn't really play that well against the Wizards. Yeah, so he's just like the playoffs like really neuter him just by having that one weakness of not shooting threes. Can't be a guard and not shoot threes now, man. No, not in today's NBA. You just absolutely cannot be. You have to, have to, have to shoot threes. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, especially if you're a guard, because the quickness of all the other guards will be able to catch up with you if you're driving and something like that. If you're a big man, you can kind of get away with not shooting threes, just because there aren't that, like, every year there are more and more big men that can shoot threes. There's still enough where you can be like, or there's still enough that are slow (laughs) that you can just have, like, a regular big man still guard them. Well, but right now, yeah, right now as a guard, like you just can't, can't do it anymore. Okay, well, before we get into previewing, I guess do or die game seven here. Is there anything else you want to dip into for about uh, about game six? No, man. I just I'm just enjoying the Jason Thompson and Bebe Nguera show. <laughs> it's it's actually really crazy to me that they're actually getting minutes, and then you realize that there are nobody, there's literally nobody else that they could be playing. Who will box it's, out first, Bebe or Jason Thompson? Who will box out first? <laughs> <laughs> Watching them try and box out and set screens was comical. Oh. I could not sit there and laugh. I was just like, I, I can't laugh at them. It's not even funny. Like, you know what? I want to talk about Bebe really quickly. Like, yeah, let's do it. He has the tools, man. If you could just get the, the, the IQ of a basketball player inside of him, you'd be like a, a monster defensive player. Easily, because everything physically is there. You look at him. He's got that energy. I mean, he he's played a little timid in his appearances in the playoffs in this series. Totally understand why. I mean, they're throwing him into a situation that I don't think he was expecting to play this entire no. playoffs. You know, no. so mentally he's not there. And when he gets in there, he's just like, okay, fuck, fuck, fuck. Don't screw up. Don't screw up. And then we see the results. <laughs> yeah, but he is like he's, he's mad. Like he's so tall, and he has these really really long arms, and he has like you know a decent athleticism. You don't need to jump really that much when you're that tall. Nope. But uh, he has these huge, huge long arms and big hands. I'm like, man, if he was just, if he was on a bad team, right, he would get more playing time. And I feel like he would be developing a lot faster than he is on, on this Raptors team. I totally agree. He'd be that random guy that fantasy players pick up randomly and is like, man, 
double double machine. Yeah, absolutely. Like JJ Hickson type player with better physical <laughs> tools. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'd love if he developed into like a JJ Hickson, just better physically. Better physically, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of just crashing the rim. As a center in this league, you don't really need to have like Jonas's skill set right now is kind of a surplus. Like you don't really need that to be a center. Just being athletic is just enough to be a center. Just playing defense is enough to be a center because everybody else on the court does everything else. Yeah, I totally agree. Because I mean, look at a guy like Biombo. He's not very great at anything. Okay, I mean, he's great at defending the rim and grabbing rebounds. I'll give him that. But is he really like a game changer? He's just super athletic, and he fits in well out there with the way the NBA is shifting now. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, his contract ends after this season. Oh, he's going to get paid. And I'm realizing, if he could, if, okay, honestly, if he could catch, it would make him a lot better, but... uh. No, DeAndre Jordan just got played a ton of like max money, right? And his um, skill set isn't that different from Biombo's. Like he can he can catch the lob, right? Like really effectively. That's what separates them. But other than that, like they're basically the same player. So I wouldn't be surprised if Biombo got a ton of money in the offseason. You know what? I would be a bit surprised. I mean, what's a ton though? What do you think is a ton of money? Okay, so the the max the max contract. Next year is about thirty million, right? Uh, DeAndre, that off the list. Yeah, so <laughs> it would be something like I wouldn't be surprised if he was getting like fifteen million dollars, ten million dollars next year. No, I thought that exactly as well. Because I know he can come back with the Raptors for the mid-level exception that they can do. I'm almost positive. I have to go back and look at all the cap notes I got, but I'm pretty sure he's mid-level exception eligible. Mm-hmm. If not, I think he falls into that category you're saying right now, ten to fifteen million dollars. Yeah, it's just, he's, a star, he's a starting center on most teams. Raptors are really lucky to have him. Do you feel like he's a starting center, or do you feel like he's just in a really good system at the moment? Honestly, if you can just figure out a way to get him to catch the ball. I, it sounds like I'm harping on it, but it's really such an important skill in basketball. <laughs> they didn't bring it up since he's in Charlotte. Like, yeah. In Charlotte, they were like, what the hell? He can do everything except catch. But catch, right? So And shoot free throws, which he's actually improved a lot this yeah, year. Yeah, his free throws are better, right? So if he could just catch, which is such a simple skill, I don't know how you teach somebody how to catch, because it's not hand-eye. He just drops the ball. Well, there so was the one there in the fourth quarter where he caught, uh, I think it was Lowry that threw him that bounce pass, and it kind of handcuffed him, and he fumbled it. And then he tried to go up with it, and then Wade blocked him into oblivion, yeah. and they went yeah, the other ex- way for the transition bucket. Exactly. So if he just caught it... He crams that thing home. Yeah, exactly. Every time. You'd be able to throw lobs to him all the time. He would be like a, a, a really good player. I could, you'd be able to do like 10 or 15 points a game just off of lobs and offensive rebounds. Easily. <laughs> I can't believe we were like talking about Biombo and his potential. He's good, man. I'm not disagreeing. I, yeah, I think he is good. I love Biombo. He's honestly he's my favorite player on the Raptors by far. Even more than Kyle Lowry? Even more than Kyle Lowry. Okay, fine. Even more than Norman Powell? Norman Powell? <laughs> He's Norman like a Powell's folk good. legend out in this neighborhood. <laughs> you, um, we the Norm. That's all you hear, man. Yeah, we the North. No, no, and, we uh, the Norm. <laughs> we the Norm. That's the oh, yeah, here now. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's great, man. His nickname, he has a great nickname, Mr. Serious. Yep. All right, so what are you looking for in Game 7, man? There's a lot of things, but I think to really simplify it here, 
they got to force more turnovers. The defense has to be a lot better because the Raptors' offense, it's not coming to score 100 points anytime soon like you've been preaching now. Um, in that case, their best offense has been their defense, in my opinion. It was something that I wrote about earlier today, how their defense has kind of carried them throughout this postseason. They've laid the clamps down on opponents that are worse than them. they got to do it again with the Heat, and that's going to start with them slowing down Dragic. I'm totally okay with them letting Dwayne Wade score 30, heck, even 40 points. But they right. can't let anybody else go off with them. Because you saw what happened today. When Dragic does it, it's it's something else. Yeah, because it's not that he's just like, uh, it's not just layups. Like, he's hitting threes, he gets free throws. You know, he's also getting people involved with his assists. I think he only had like, no, he had s- I think he had seven. Or, I'll pull it up right now. I'm pretty sure he had seven assists, Dragic. Where is it here? Four assists, seven rebounds. So he's yeah. still getting people involved in the game. So, yeah, I would prefer Dwayne Wade to score 30, mostly because when he scores 30, it's off of uh, ISO. Mid-range. Yeah, ISO and mid-range twos. The thing about mid-range, when you're hot and you don't shoot threes, right, you can go hot. You can go like five of five. That's ten points. And let's say you cool off. You're like cool off, you miss, like, your next three shots. You're, you know, you're five of eight. And then, let's say you do, like, you know, you start playing, like, a regular player again, you can, like, settle back down to 50%, even though people were like, oh, man, you know, Dwayne Wade was really hot today. You'd be like, hey, 50%, man. Yeah, it's DeMar DeRozan right there. Exactly. <laughs> and the other thing with that, from an offensive efficiency standpoint, is that those five possessions where that player was hot, let's say they settle for twos every time, that's ten points. I can go down and score on three of those five possessions and hit threes, which we see a lot of times with the Warriors. Yeah, exactly. It's a one-point difference. It's yeah. a totally different ball game now. Yeah. Yeah, you, gotta, you just have to shoot threes. It's such a, it's such a simple thing to uh, say, hard thing to do. The know? Raptors are trying, though. I mean, what, 21 attempts that I think they had? Mm, ton of attempts. 16, sorry. 16 three-point attempts. They only made four. Like, yeah. Can that keep yeah, up? I mean, it's not like it's Paul George out there guarding them. Indiana's D was much better at the perimeter than Miami's. Yeah. You need Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross is 0-4, and then you need Patrick Patterson to... If they just went, you know, uh, an average... with the, average, the league average, I think, is like 36% on threes. I believe just, so. It's around there. So if they could just do that, I would be, you know, I'd be really happy. Because then you don't... You only need, like, a regular game from Kyle Lowry. You don't need 36. He almost had 40 points... 36 points today. If I can just get like 20, 25 points from my stars and then I get 36% from the others, that sounds like a winning formula to me, man. I totally agree, but you can't have 10 assists again because the ball was not moving. Most of their points came off of what? Free throws and the ISO drives? Yep. Like, you can't win ball games like that. No. How concerned are you with the Murray Carroll? It's bad, man, because it's, now it's not just his uh, now it's not just his wrist. It's also an ankle thing. Team or like the first, the third most important player on the team would probably be uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, Biombo, and Damari. You know, you can live. It's so weird to say that you can live without your second best shooter, like scorer, but you can live without Damar. I think they could, like, no problem. <laughs> if they had uh, just like a spot, like maybe not a spot up shooter, but somebody that was just like specifically a shooter that also could dribble the ball every once in a while, it would still be an effective team. Well, I think for this series against the Heat especially, they could live with just like a spot-up shooter, somebody who can, you know, kind of work off of screens, um, maybe pop a couple corner trays, things that, things that they need Patterson and Carroll to do that they haven't been doing. 
they even set like uh, some pin downs for like Kyle Lowry. They never do they never do anything for him off ball to get him any good looks. It's usually they run a bunch of like decoy plays. So they'll actually like run like these double screens um, off like around the elbow where Mar DeRozan will get the ball. You'll be like, "Oh, he's going to shoot this." Uh, sometimes it's a three. Some like sometimes it's behind the arc, and sometimes it's like near the elbow. Where you're like, "Oh, he's going to shoot it," and then he just like grabs it and like pulls it out. Screen and roll. I'm actually so, so they, happy you brought this up because the only time they run double screens off ball for Lowry is to get him the ball, and it's literally <laughs> to give him the ball to usually reset a dead set. And it's so frustrating to watch because they can do so much more with him off of there, or he'll catch and shoot a three, a quick three. That's that's it though. It's That's literally it. only there for those two options. I, I don't get it because I feel like they can take Lowry to this next level where you use him in these variety of ways that his dribbling ability can just create more plays. And for some reason, they just feel that he can only create plays from the top of the three. It's agonizing. You know what? The, t- the team needs more ball handlers. It doesn't have an- enough ball handlers. It's That's like, a good point, actually. Yeah, it's like Kyle Lowry, Marta Rosen, Corey Joseph. Ross. Terrence Ross every once in a while and Corey Joseph and that's pretty much it for ball handlers. Maybe that's why that Lowry Joseph, like basically Lowry in the reserves, maybe that's why it's worked so well. It's because there's a lot of ball handlers out there. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like that's why the work Yeah, that's why the you know uh the Spurs, remember when they were playing like that beautiful everybody gets to touch the ball and dribble? Everybody gets gets to dribble, you know, everybody was capable of at least passing the ball to somebody else. You know, a couple of dribbles, pass the ball to somebody else, a couple of dribbles, jump shot. Raptors don't have anything like that, really. It's more like dribble, 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 pass. You know who talked about this was Damari Carroll, actually, last series. He said that a lot of what we do is based on Kyle Lowry and DeRozan. Like, we need them to be successful for us to be successful. And he said, coming from Atlanta, where you're going to touch the ball almost every play, so you're a little more involved. You know, you got to be ready. He goes, here in Toronto you got to be ready based off what Kyle and DeMar do, not what the team is doing. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And for him, it must be like a shell shock for him. It's got to be a piss off, dude. You see how angry he looks all the time with him? He pissed off. Yeah, he never never looks happy. No. I'm happy he said something to Dragic, though, when he got right in his face like that Mm -hmm. in the third Mm -hmm. quarter there because, man, Dragic was running roughshod on the Raptors, and they were just like, yeah, it's okay. We still have another game to play. You know, there is definitely some, like, something, uh, there is, like, an intangible just being in somebody's face, especially when they're scoring well. It's, like, it's not even an intimidation factor. It's more of a, like, I'm here factor. It's, like, don't, don't forget, man. Don't forget that you, that I need, I need you to respect me. And there'll be, like, somebody, like, bumping into you or, like, some sort of hard foul. I appreciate it. Well, he kind of sets a tone for them, right? That you're not going to run us over. And it's... It's such like a hockey thing to say that that whole uh, quote unquote old school enforcer. Mm. But what Damari does there, he sets a tempo for everybody else in regards to you're going to have to earn every basket. And at times, I mean, it looked like Dragic wasn't earning every basket. He was just taking whatever he wanted. And yeah, you're right. Paying dividends. And when he finally said something, I mean, he toned down a bit. But I think that was largely evaporated once uh, Lowry got back into foul trouble. Mm. Okay, you what, know, in- what do you expect for game seven, though? What do I expect? I uh, what do I expect? I expect um, Kyle Lowry probably is going to have a good game. You know, his he kind of have a his legacy is kind of like Toronto's legacy now. You know, <laughs> however far he goes with Toronto is basically like Toronto's uh, 
history as a sports franchise at the moment. Like, this is the best ever Toronto team. So, I would expect his pride to be on the line. Like, I really, you, you would be the guy that gets Toronto to an Eastern Conference Finals, and he pretty much would be, like, Mr. Toronto. We're coming back yeah. with a podcast to debate about that. About if this <laughs> is the most. I got a bunch of questions I could rattle off to you about that, but I don't want to ruin it because I know you're going to break down Game Seven. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Like write them down. We'll talk about it. Uh, yeah. So it'd probably he'd probably have a big game. Marta Rosen. I'm. Ex- I hope. He, I really hope he has like a dunk. Not like just not like a not like a meh dunk. I want like something like Terrence Ross threw down today. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, I love that, man. I love seeing him attack the dish. It's awesome. He took a, the one that was on the breakaway where they, like, uh, threw the ball ahead of him. That was almost like Zach Levine's dunk where he was, like, he took off from, like, before the dotted line and looks like he was, like, flying for a couple seconds. I Dude, that was much dunks. harder than it looked, too, because he caught that ball full tilt and then collected his feet and threw it down. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, great Kyle Lowry game. Mar DeRozan. Hopefully there's a dunk. Biombo's gotta gotta play some serious D, man. And Kyle Lowry cannot get in foul trouble. And he's—I know somebody's gonna talk to him about it, and then he's probably gonna look at, probably gonna like look at the film and see all the times that he drew a foul was like on a block when he's trying to draw a charge or something like that. He's still gonna try and draw charges, but I have a feeling it's gonna be less frequent, just so he's out of foul trouble and he can stay in the game. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think is gonna happen. So the end result's gonna be. Oh, oh! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to go that far yet. I mean, we can save that, but uh, you know, I think the Raptors are gonna win, man. Like the uh, history is on their side. I think it's like ninety percent of the game sevens go to the home team. The selection bias for that, obviously, because the home team in game seven is probably a better team in general, but. I think that I, I've always thought that Toronto was the better team in this series, and that the Heat have just have superior coaching, and that's how they've been winning their games. I mean, I do think the Raptors are the better team, though. Yeah, yeah, I think they're the better team. But uh, Dwayne Casey, what adjustment does Dwayne Casey make, like need to make or should make that like would make the Raptors more effective in this game? What adjustments could he make? Because you can't go outside the box here and say they got to move the ball. They got to do things they've never done before because we both know that's just not going to happen, right? Right. So especially gonna in the game seven, can do. Yeah, especially in the game seven. Um, I feel like the adjustments they make are just better execution. They just can't shoot that poorly from three. They can't be that lazy on weak side defense. I mean, I'm sure when they go back and watch the film, they're going to be pissed off at how many times they've seen the guys on more or less weak side defense or off ball defense where they're just their defenders just getting by them. Every time, or sorry, mm-hmm. they're defending the player, and he's kind of sneaking in. There's a lot of times tonight where a lot of the gang rebounding you saw from the Heat was, it's just a lack of boxing, a, a lack of keeping your defender in front of you. It's just simple things that they just need to execute. It's nothing special, in my opinion. There's there's um, one sequence, or not even a sequence, where uh, it's just like a series of events that keep happening, where it'll be like a drive from Dragic, right? Spe- specifically when Dragic was in the game and he was like killing the Raptors, where he would drive. Right, and he would, uh, he would actually make, you'd actually make a pass. And since that, uh, they're running that that five out offense with, <clears throat> with like all guards and forwards, that Yombo's out of position. So like it allows like somebody like Winslow to um, speed, like use his speed and get around Biombo and like 
basically just like sets this uh, defense into like a warp where they're all just like sprouting out. They're coming in to uh, defend the Dragic drive, and then the ball gets kicked out. So then like one, maybe sometimes two people like jump out to defend the man, or like nobody def- jumps out to defend the man, and the he get an open three. They actually have to just like work on their communication, which is doable, especially when uh, especially if there's like a couple games in between, you just be able to discern who's guarding who, and like maybe they don't, maybe they're not even going to be concerned about who's guarding who unless it's like a guard. So yeah, I think that they should be doing that. That's that'd be something that's fixable, and definitely they, they would be capable of doing that in two days. That, yeah, you said you actually stole. What I was going to ask you next there at the end when you said uh, in two days. They don't have a lot of time to prepare, right? So, I mean, it's got to be things that are simplistic, like working on their switches. Um, to go back to the execution point, if I'm going to pick a sequence of events that really kind of brought it to the light for me was when Corey Joseph went on transition there to lay it in, and he he botched it. He completely missed the lay-in. Then they go the other way. The Heat miss in transition. Patrick Patterson grabs an uncontested rebound, and he fumbles it out of bounds, and then he get the ball back. It's just those aloof plays they got to eliminate, and they have to make those just work in their favor. You, yeah, you can't be making those little mental mistakes. Right, two hands. <laughs> <laughs> How long have we been hearing that for? <laughs> just two hands, man. Two hands on the ball. Well, I feel like on that night, on that note, it's good to end this off here on two hands. So Raptors fans, sit tight till Sunday. We'll see you at Game Seven. Best of luck sleeping until then. In the meantime, if you want to reach out to us at the show, you can reach out to us on Twitter, at Tip of the Tower. You can also reach our Facebook page, at Tip of the Tower. If you want to reach out to myself personally, you can reach me at Chris O'Kranitz on Twitter. You can reach Damar at DamarJG on Twitter. Um, guys, again, best of luck sleeping. We'll see you at Game 7. Take care.